Hello, hello. My name is April Malone, and I'm with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Joel Milne with me, and he is an ESL teacher that I have kind of been following for about two and a half years now, and I'm really happy to have you with me today. Thank you, Joel. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. So, I know Joel um, from his YouTube channel, and I know that's one of the biggest things that you spend a lot of time on, um, and he has been teaching people how to... Um, teach ESL, um, just general tips and then some specific tips for different, you know, different company. Um, when I was starting with a new company, I watched um, basically everything, I think, at least pertaining to, you know, things that would be applicable for a new teacher. And then uh, a year or two later, when I started coaching, mentoring, and maybe even recruiting or interviewing some people, I always directed them to your to your YouTube channel. So thanks. Um, <laughs> I was like, why reinvent the wheel? I could, I don't, need to make them again because you already had them so um so joe i know you spend a lot of time i was actually flabbergasted to find out that you were spending 20 hours a week editing um and you know preparing your your video sometimes they'd be five minutes sometimes they'd be 15 or 20 but um you put a lot of effort into them and they show it shows yeah thanks i mean uh, the work behind one video people you know people watch a, a five minute youtube video in five minutes but that five minute youtube at, at least for me because i think a lot of people upload videos where they just think of an idea they turn on the camera they record it and they upload it and i i, I really don't like working that way i like to have this idea and I, I write a script and i work on the script and i talk to people about what they think i got ideas and then i record for me the worst part is recording i absolutely hate recording because I, I i gotta get it perfect you know i have my lights and my my makeup and stuff. I actually put a bit of foundation on to make sure it doesn't shine uh, the microphone. And then I do tests and it takes like to record, you know, a five minute video, it might take me, you know, three hours to record it. Cause I'm doing tests and I'm reading lines and I'm finding the best way to read lines and setting everything up, setting everything down. And then the editing, editing is where I, you know, where I really spend a lot of time and really go into it carefully, you know, Right. People should do that more, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it, they look good because you have not just like, you know, you're not just saying your lines, but you obviously are like including fun elements that, you know, a lot of like text overlay and, um, you know, little like, I don't know, pictures and things that just like definitely will bring, you know, a chuckle. So, um, yeah, it's fun. they're fun and to the, watch. The, yeah. The thing with that is I use I use a program called Resolve and it's all super manual and it's it's it was such a, a learning curve for me to use resolve i don't want to talk too much about editing because i know it's not talking about editing podcasts but um you know everything every thing that text does it's not just a drag and drop template so i choose as soon as it starts moving when it stops how it moves how much it rotates and all of that and i really love that that you know the detailed editing process so, Joel, just to give people a little context, let's just talk about how do you spend your time? Like, what are you doing to make money right now? Uh, teaching mainly. Um, a bit of video editing for people. Actually, today I did. It's, it's, it's not like I get two a day, but I had two people message me, reach out to me, and have me do their, their intro videos for the ESL, different ESL companies. Um, and I like to do that sort of editing. Um, some affiliate stuff from YouTube, a bit of YouTube income coming in. Um, I really try to be careful. I, I don't know if, if anyone is a, a YouTuber or anything, but once you get like 
5,000, 10,000 subs, you start to get a lot of offers and emails, people wanting you to do, you know, uh, flog their products and they'll give you a cut. And I've actually said no to like 90% of them just because I don't believe in the product and it's not worth it. And you gotta be careful of selling out, you know, but yeah, right, that's, right. How, that's how I make money. Teaching is 80%, I'd say. And then I know that you also helped make a, a course uh, mm -hmm. to help teach people ESL techniques, um, more about the business and like how to become a good ESL teacher. And you did that kind of as a conglomerate with other people from other companies. Can you talk about that experience for a minute? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to actually. I, I want to kind of clear my name a little bit on, on this. Um, <laughs> I think right now there's there's a, a culture of creating courses and honestly I don't I don't like it. I think that there are too many people who are thinking that they're experts in doing something and, and selling a course. Yeah. And to me it's like it's a bit of a scam at the end of the day. But this this course that I did um cuz some people suggested that I do a course and I I never thought I'd knew enough to to do a course and sell it off my own back but International Open Academy reached out to me and said, we'll, we'll pay you to do the course. And then you can choose if you push it and get sales from it after that. And I thought, I'm always down to do, you know, paid for the content work rather than pushing sales work. So for me, it, it was that. But about, about the course itself, um, it is a great course. With the person who designed and made the course, I worked quite closely with looking at what it should be. and it's everything. It's absolutely everything, you know, methodology, maybe not as in depth in the methodology as some TEFL courses might be, but, you know, it talks about how to apply, how to do your intro video, how to work out time zones, when to work, where to work, who you work with, what to do, TPR and all that stuff. It's super, super um, high quality. And the, you know, the um, standards that they maintain throughout the creation of the course are just yeah, really, really high, I think. And you did that with four other contributors? Yeah. Ooh, Brett, Tim, Adela, and oh, that's bad. I can't remember the, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't, I didn't know any of them. Okay. I've seen their names a lot, but yeah, I think it was four others. So you did the course and then you have the opportunity to push it and then possibly get some like residual income from uh, International Open Academy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I, I did push it. You know, I made one video on my channel uh, telling everyone what the course is about. Um, even if I didn't get a kickback from it, I would have probably made the video anyway, just because mm -hmm. I believe in the quality behind it. But, you know, I'm not I'm not one of the people who makes a course and does everything in their power to get people to buy it every day, you know, posting yeah. Facebook and doing ads and stuff. I'm not not about that. Right. Um let's just talk about the elephant in the room right now esl companies are struggling like i mean some people would get really mad if they knew that anyone was trying to recruit any person to any company because a lot of the existing teachers in these co um, companies are suffering now there are people that work independently um, or you know in the field uh, in person teaching esl but a lot of us when we're talking about teaching esl we're talking about online teaching mm -hmm. how did you get into it um, I was teaching offline in Lima in Peru. I've been living here for seven years now. It must be time is a bit of a blur, especially trying to 
think of time this year. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I was teaching offline and a lot of traveling and stuff. And I met these expats, this, uh, this couple, one American guy, British woman who came and they were, they started working at the same company that I worked for, which is now international house. Uh, there are loads of those around the world. And I was trying to get them to work for this other company and they were trying to get me to work at iTu group. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it online. It's not going to work. I don't have a good connection and that stuff, but I decided to give it a go. Um, so I was actually working for a call center at the time as well in Lima. And it was the worst job I've ever had. It was just dodgy. It was weird. Um, obviously I'm not going to say the name of the company, but <laughs> it was just, it was just horrible. Uh, and anyway, I actually moved apartments to keep my job at iTutor Group because I it started going really well. My internet was terrible in the apartment that I was in. So I called the internet company and they came out to sort of fit me, my own connection because I was using communal Wi-Fi. Okay. And they yeah. said, because the whole place is drywall, we can't do anything. It was, it was really bad. So I moved. Um, and the internet wasn't great in the new place. And I had a fight with, you know, the, the internet company and they were trying to fix this thing that some people might get this if they work at iTutor Group. There's an issue with uh, your trace route to a certain um, a certain IP address. But anyway. I, oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you can explain it, though. Yeah, I mean, to, to work at iTutor Group, I don't know if it's still the same, but you have to connect to certain servers either in, I think they're in Taipei, uh, Taipei telecom servers. Mm -hmm. And if you, you need to run a trace route and if, if one of them gets an asterisk, if it comes up invalid, it was on the fourth hop for me. This sounds like gibberish to most people, but, um, if one of them doesn't work, one of them doesn't connect, then they say, no, you, you at least back then they said you can't work here. So, well, I understood that it was more of like a location thing because they pay based on the um, cost of living of the country that you live in. And um, so some people would live in a, you know, a higher cost of living country and then move to a lower cost of country, lower cost of living country and try to, you know, enjoy the benefits of living in this, you know, less expensive area and making the higher pay i guess yeah um and so i i guess i can see it even just being like within apartments so if you did your internet test in a high speed area and then tried to live and work out of your apartment it would be the same issue right yeah they they could definitely tell that sort of stuff as well um just like yeah like what you said people used to use vpns and stuff to mm -hmm. or maybe maybe they still do but the pay doesn't the contracts aren't offered like that anymore i don't think um but yeah, it wasn't anything to do with that. It was it was hard to get these te this technician to come and change my IP address from dynamic to static. It's a long time ago, but I, I fought to you know keep the job. Right, I struggled a lot with uh, bad internet, more or less. But I think it ended up being that my router wasn't compatible. Like the my um, internet service provider would send me a letter and say, "Congratulations, we have upped your speed to the next tier." and um, you know, for free. And then about two months later, they would be like, oh, we're having a price hike. <laughs> um, and what happened is they had done that so many times, all of a sudden, my router basically wasn't compatible with the speeds mm. that they were pumping to my 
house. And yeah. I didn't know some of these tricks, you know, that you learn along the way, like restarting your computer every day, clearing your cache. Um, at that point, when the router was really struggling, I had to restart my router every single day. Um, you know, do basically like a four minute unplug and plug it back in. Sometimes I'd have to call my ISP and say, I need you to restart it or whatever that they had certain codes or whatever they do that they could like refresh it from their end as well. Um, and it was a constant. And some of these companies are not very forgiving. Um, a tutor group is actually much more forgiving than another company that I've worked with. Um, in that they gave some, um, you know, what do you call it? Um, like a penalty. Help, help, help me out when you have like the, um, when you have a, a disconnect with your power or your internet, they would basically yeah, give you like, like a, a pass. Oh, right. Yeah. Like a free pass. Yes. And like you'd have a personal free pass and like then you could have some absences on, on top of that and not get fired. Where the other company that I worked for didn't have any of those passes. You only got your six chances in six months. And no matter what the case, if you couldn't get those appealed, you were just done. Yeah. Yeah, you you have to be really careful. Some some companies are definitely not as forgiving. I I, I don't know much about it because I've only really worked for iTunes Group. Right. So yeah. um, so your accent. Can you tell us where you're from? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm from England, but I'm from a from the north of England, from Sheffield. So it's a really northern accent. It's a bit Game of Thronesy. Um, a lot of students say I sound American, and that really annoys me <laughs> because <laughs> I don't think I do at all. <laughs> Maybe but, not so um, much. Yeah, I think it's when when students hear hear me say, "Oh, I'm British," and they say, "But, but you don't sound like you know Prince Philip. How can you be British?" Okay, yeah. So, There's yeah. many accents. And oh, yeah. um, so what brought you to maybe. Lima? Uh, love is the is the answer. You know, I I met Mimi, who's my wife now. We met on Instagram, and I was saving money to go traveling. Didn't know where I wanted to go. And uh, then I met her after seven months of more saving. I decided two birds, one stone. I'll go traveling in South America and by myself and I'll meet her. And if we have a connection then see where it goes. And seven and years met. later. <laughs> yeah. Seven years later, we were married. Been married five years, actually. Congratulations. Thanks. How, how much uh, have you traveled in South America? Not not much. I say South America. It was just Peru. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've popped over to Ecuador. I've been near Bolivia. Um, I want to go to Chile and Argentina, but yeah, I haven't traveled much. I mean, Peru is 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 massive. I, I remember when when I did go traveling around Peru, I took a bus from Lima to Cusco, and it was twenty four hours on the bus. Wow! Could have taken a plane, but I have bought. my map here. I have to look. I've actually been to Peru. It was in the year 1999, I think it was. Wow. And did you go to Machu I, I did not. I did not. Oh. Uh, we flew in in the night. We got into Lima and we got into a, like a coach bus and drove eight hours through the mountains. And so I basically didn't get to see Lima at all other than the airport. Oh. Um, and so I don't know the city. Um, I saw some beautiful mountains in the dark. Um, I saw some, some beautiful things and some sad things and we yeah. ended up, you can help me out. Maybe you'll know the name of the city. We ended up at some kind of touristy city where they said there was like a glacial lake that melted when a volcano erupted and it like wiped out the entire city. 
oh, in, yeah. in um, like two minutes and that the only people that lived were the people that there was like, I don't know what you call it when you have like a burial place. It's like a cemetery, but it's like one building and the people, there was a statue of Jesus at the top and they said the people who ran to the statue basically were the only people that survived. Wow. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know what it is. I need to Google it very quickly. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I have another friend who actually lives in Lima, and she's also been there. I think she even met her husband there um, or on that kind of trip. And I just it's been yeah. it's sad to say, but, you know, that's 20 years ago for me. So, yeah. Did you it's find it? Ancash. Yeah. Ancash. OK. Yeah, it was 1970. It was I think it was the biggest landslide ever and the one of the biggest uh, not volcano uh, earthquakes ever it was it was fabulous but terrible you know to hear the story uh, they had these yeah. three cars that were stacked that were just smashed like pancakes um yeah, yeah. uh you know, so be, being in in like peru sorry i just want to no, go ahead living in in a in a country like peru it it's it just changes the way you look at absolutely everything. Like, yeah. I, I think it was two years ago, was it last year or two years ago? I did this charity thing where I went up, uh, up a mountain near Cusco and, and back down with one of the guy and we had our tents and our bags. We, it was like 4,900 meters above sea level. And then we came back down and we stayed in this village. It was to, it was, um, for these kids doing it for these kids raising money to give them lunches for school because all they right. had was like potatoes and they needed like protein and stuff yeah um and we got in this village i was talking about this yesterday actually um there's no like network or anything you don't have uh any signal on your phone or anything like that and we met this family who uh, was sort of knew we were coming and they were sorting as a place to sleep we slept we slept in the school on the floor in the classroom, only one classroom, one school in this village. And I was there and it was just, it was surreal. Like yeah. the way that they live in this hut that this guy had built, you know, with his hands and the floor is just mud. And then the grandmother mm. comes in and she was speaking Quechua. She wasn't speaking Spanish. Hmm. Um, and there's just guinea pigs running around everywhere. And uh, this guy had a radio and it's like really proud of this little radio that barely worked. and. It's just, it's weird. Like you, people know it's out there. People, you know, like British people, my friends back at home who've barely traveled and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. They know it's out there, but they, they, you don't know until you've seen it, like that it's real, you know? Right. So if anyone has the chance to go traveling and you're thinking about it, it really does broaden your horizons, you know, for life. Absolutely. Of a, of a, yeah. We brought um, some nurses with us on this trip that I was in. We went into the public schools and were passing out um, some literature and hosting. It was it was through um, like a religious organization. So this was 20 years ago. And um, but we would hold events in the evenings and the cities would come, the, you know, the villages would come out and it was really a fun time. And uh, but they were the nurses were teaching, you know, people how to take care of their teeth. And if they did, you know, we passed out toothbrushes and things. But of course, that only lasts for so long. Mm -hmm. And they're teaching them that if you just chew on a stick, you know, you can use that to try to help clean your stick, uh, teeth, um, you know, for over the long run. Everyone was drinking um, high altitude tea. Uh, what do they uh, call uh, that? Coca tea? Uh, coca. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was it was different. Like there's a lot of things we ate guinea pig. Oh, um, nice. Did you like it? 
Tastes like chicken. <laughs> Did it come like whole? Like the like way a that... full guinea pig on your plate? The way that I was served it was actually just like a little patty and it had a red sauce over it. I'm not really a yeah. fan of red sauce, but that sounds um, like ahi, ahi Yeah. Uh, I know that they were very um the people who organized that meal for us, they were very proud to share a national delicacy with us. And some of the people in our group really struggled with wanting to eat that. <laughs> um yeah. especially those who had had guinea pigs as pets growing up. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. But but you enjoyed it? it all right. I, I tolerated it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind it. Um, I think I've had it a few, t I've, well, I've had it quite a lot, but the last time I had it was in Cusco. We went to this place and, um, Mimi, my wife ordered it and it's this really nice restaurant. Um, but it's all like really, it's not like a fancy sort of Western restaurant. It's like a nice traditional restaurant where they bring you traditional dishes, really big portions. And it came and it was a full, like a whole guinea pig, obviously, you know, skinned, well, basically skinned, cleaned and deep fried. You could see the teeth, the eyes, oh. everything. And since then, for me, it's like, I can't, it's just... We we actually walked out because even for Mimi, who's Peruvian, that was a, just a bit too much. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I have um, a daughter who is, she's been vegetarian since like kindergarten and we are not. Um, and so having to learn how to navigate those waters, you know, with a strong-willed child, it's been interesting. Um, she won't sometimes sit at the table with us if we're eating, you know, our meal. Um, and, you know, right now we're celebrating this is um, Thanksgiving time in the USA mm -hmm. and there's a lot of talk about turkeys <laughs> and how can you eat our friends, mom? And I guess I could see, you know, like just being able to see the eyeballs of the animal that you're eating is definitely too much. Yeah. 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 I mean, good honor. I I, I, I was actually talking to Mimi today because I met some friends yesterday who've recently turned vegetarian and we want we want to do it. We, we have tried uh, and it's hard. Yeah. Soya meat is apparently the way to do it. Just cook your okay. meals as normal and use soya meat. But yeah. Right. If I could convince my daughter to eat, if I can get her to eat any protein, it's, it's a success. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about traveling while working. I know when I was working, I also have worked for VIP Kid. And it was a little bit easier for me to pick up and go um mm -hmm. and teach on the road with that company but anytime i wanted to travel and i had some uh i tutor group hours scheduled i would cancel them and they were a lot more forgiving again with the cancellation pro um they didn't necessarily penalize you um if you canceled in advance and so i just would mm -hmm. and i would just enjoy my time because back then they were requiring us to have a big backdrop with their big logo and i know all of that has yeah. changed in the last year so how about you have you ever taught while traveling or do you usually just keep that from your back home yeah i actually i haven't um i almost did once i thought while you know while i'm traveling uh, to the city i could i could teach i could bring a, a backdrop and i could do it and i was prepared to and i think i had everything i needed apart from the backdrop which i could have folded up and it would have been easy but mm -hmm. i just decided and i think I think you should only teach when traveling if you really need to, because if not, I mean, if, if you run into any kind of internet problem, you're going to be relying on hotel Wi-Fi or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's never really good, is it? Even in a nice hotel. Mm -hmm. So I, I just avoid it just because it might cause more trouble than, than not. Right. You know? 
And I agree. I feel like some of the different platforms from the different companies are a little bit more taxing. And I felt like I was able to get by with a lot with the VIP kit for whatever reason. But the iTreater group seems like it sucked more internet. Like it was just more likely to notice. Um, I think it maybe was because I was running Manicam and other things in on top of it. And it's just kind of taxing. Yeah, I think it does. You know, I've noticed when um, I've got an, uh, an iTreater group class open yeah the internet is is being the bandwidth is definitely being sucked up by the platform i think much more than other other schools i imagine right let's talk a little bit about living in lima and and working from home uh i know that there have been a lot of things going on in politics in both of our countries in the last few mm. weeks and um i don't know how like downtown you live or if you're kind of out in the way but or out of the way a little bit but have you had like a lot of noise outside or things like protests or things kind of crowding into your classroom um so i teach in the morning i only mm -hmm. teach sometimes teach one class or two classes in evenings but i teach six hours every morning from seven to about one or two and the noise because of the political tension usually starts around seven or eight o'clock at night okay. what's been happening is people have been it's all it's all better now for now not Thank totally God. better but anyway <laughs> yeah yeah the the president that was here is gone um but there were there were protests and every night at eight o'clock everyone went out of their window with a with a, a pan and a, and a wooden spoon and, and banged their pots I don't protest. know if do people do that in, in, in America, in North America. I haven't seen that. Normally, those kinds of sounds would be more like celebration. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess it's sort of, yeah, they were sort of like celebrating the protests and in, 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 in protest of, of what was going on. But yeah, we, there's no no protesting really around this area because we're not okay. near the, the center. Okay, so great. Okay. And I think I saw a video that you posted maybe a year or two ago, um, right around the, maybe the New Year holiday with a lot of fireworks. Have you ever had that um, while you were trying to teach or you don't teach oh, at night? Yeah. So. yeah, I mean, I did used to teach at night and, and fireworks, they just, sometimes they just happen. Like for some reason, some, you know, the people in the building, you know, across from us might decide to just have a box of fireworks for some reason, maybe it's their birthday or something. And I really... That's one thing I miss about about England is just people are really respectful of other people's sort of uh, space, including the the noise space. You know, mm. I would I would feel embarrassed and apologetic to let fireworks off if if it weren't like the New Year or something. I'd just be like, right. you know, my neighbours must hate me right now, and yeah. that mentality just isn't really here. <laughs> okay, yeah, we Football have ordinances. As well. I mean. Oh, really? Football is just crazy here. It's like I don't even need to watch the football because I can just listen. And when someone scores, the whole neighborhood's screaming. So yeah, it's that, that too. <laughs> How has the community been um, during uh, the lockdowns? Because I know that it got really strict in Peru. Yeah, it got strict early, uh, mid mid March. Um, it's been good. You know, it's hard really to say because I don't watch much news. And I don't really keep that much up to date and I don't go out to see it. But, mm -hmm. you know, looking out my window and when I am out, people are wearing masks. Everyone has to wear a mask. And it's been like that since the middle of March. You're not allowed outside without a mask. Um, but you get the people, you know, with, with the noses hanging out or they've got the mask on the chin or they take it off when there's no police or whatever around. So and, and people group up. Um, 
and I don't know, I think it could be policed better. But um, yeah, I, I like to say, I like to tell people, yeah, you know, we're doing really well. We've we've been, you know, from the beginning, we've been really, you know, on it. But w when you look at the list, we we're not really doing well. <laughs> I think in, we've in all struggled. Yeah. yeah. Has it US... affected your has it affected your work at all? Or have you been able to just soldier on through that? No, I'm really lucky. I mean, I can't, I can't believe it's, it's still going on. I mean, I can believe it's still going on, but I just can't imagine how, how bad it is for, for other people, because for me, nothing's changed really. I can't go out as much as I might want to, but yeah. I haven't lost my job. Yeah. Um, I'm not fighting with, you know, trying to get benefits or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing's you already changed. had your setup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, um, Joel, one thing I know about you, because uh, I've watched your channel quite a bit, is I know you like to have tech and you like to have your setup and you have some pretty cool stuff. I saw you had that like, um, I, I watched you do a review on like different headsets once and you had like multiple high quality headsets that you were reviewing. How is it for you to get shipping uh, to oh, where you live? <laughs> that is a good question. It is not easy. And I always say it's it's ironic because um, in here in Peru, you know, we have the Amazon, uh, the rainforest, mm -hmm. uh, the river, but we don't have Amazon. Oh, OK. <laughs> like we can't get product. I mean, you can order things from Amazon, but it will take ages and you pay like 25 percent in taxes. Um, wow. But I, I have a, I have this guy who he brought me all my parts for my computer from the States and mm -hmm. I paid, I paid taxes and everything. But the thing is I, I can't, I don't feel safe ordering ordering the parts myself. I'd rather someone else be responsible so I could get a refund if something, something bad happens. Cause getting things in, you know, you have to pay taxes. First of all, mm -hmm. uh, you sometimes have to pay for weight as well. Mm -hmm. And also um, you, you might never get it. People, mm -hmm. when it comes into the country and, and they just might say, oh, you know, the people working at the, the courier or whatever might just take it. Yeah. Uh, I wondered if you common. had if you had to basically carry things in, like when you went back home to England, if you just trucked things back with your with you. Pretty much. Yeah. When I go to England, I'm like, right, need a new microphone, need this light, got to get this. Yeah. I recently had a, a, a I ordered a new keyboard and a new mouse and they are unbelievable. Best I've ever had. But I had to wait seventy days for them. Oh boy! Through through my friend and taxes and everything on top of that. I'm kind of curious what um what mouse and and keyboard are you in love with here? I'll show you. Uh, this is it's a little mechanical keyboard. It's it's a Keychron. It looks a lot of people don't like it, but the reason that it people don't like school. it is the exact reason that I love it. Yeah, it's old school. It's light. It's it's all like aluminium. Uh, and the mouse is a Logitech MX Master 3. Um, it's really, really good. And you can, what I love about this mouse is, because um, I, I play some games and I edit and I use all different programs with, with, for lots of different things. And my previous mouse had, you know, like the buttons that you have like here and here and here and this button and this button to do different things. But this mouse remembers the program and the buttons for the program that you're using. So when I'm editing in my editor, 
I it, it already knows, okay, this button will do this here, but in this program, it'll do this here. So I, I love it for that reason. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I could honestly, I'm, I could just talk for hours about my mouse and my keyboard. <laughs> I'll have to get those names from you so I can put those uh, Amazon links into the show notes. There you go. Um, that's one thing I noticed that you do on your YouTube channel. Actually, I, I showed it one day to my VA. I was like, look at what Joe Milne does. Milne does. Now, I know on YouTube you can use affiliate links. Mm -hmm. On a podcast, you cannot because Amazon does not allow you to have an affiliate link in an RSS feed because it might go to email and they do not allow any affiliate links to be in email ever. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty big deal, I guess. And they will track you down. I got a reminder one day, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder why I got this." And then, sure enough, you know, somehow we had copied and pasted the YouTube show notes directly into the RSS um, or the. Sorry, we use a program called Captivate to host my podcast, and then you get your show notes, and then you can have a separate um, description uh, that does not allow links on the Apple podcast so basically right. i have show notes that go to everywhere else and then a separate summary that does not include any links that goes only to apple um so they're kind of picky about where you put things and then again I, if yeah. I, I can have links in my show notes but i can't have amazon affiliate links could you have so, other affiliate links oh i guess yeah, it depends on you could. the company you absolutely can as long as it's you know under term, terms of agreement is that how you say it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny when I set up my Amazon links, um, someone was actually, it was a viewer who said, you should do this, you should do this. And I was like, oh, I can't really be bothered. But yeah. I, I ended up doing it. And on day one, someone bought a laptop that I recommended, which was Whoa. like, yeah, $1,100. Nice. And I got like $200 or something commission. And no I was way. like, wow, this is going to be amazing. But every month after that, it's been like $15. <laughs> I don't know that anyone has bought from any of the, the recommendations that I've put out there um, for myself or for um, the guests. And Amazon does let you know if you don't get any purchases that they'll shut you down. So someone, yeah. someone check out the recommendations out there. They're there. there um, but yeah, I, I can't expect that that will be, you know, a lucrative uh, thing for me anytime soon. Um, I hope maybe someday it will be, but um, what yeah. about YouTube? Does that supplement your teaching income? It's not bad. I mean, it's definitely my, my channel is is growing and I, I don't want to brag about it, but it's it's really been fast growth and I, it's it's kind of gone out of my control a bit. And I remember I was saying I was, was saying um, when I when I when I just got monetization, I was saying, wow, you know, my goal is to make enough to buy a new microphone because that's what <laughs> I really wanted for my camera. Yeah. And now, like it's, you know, it's almost at the point where I could get a new microphone every month. So okay. it's it's definitely uh, lucrative, um, but it's also extremely unpredictable. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you've heard, you know, people say the YouTube algorithm is just weird and you can't rely on it. It's kind of like every everyone like Facebook, you know, whatever people have done with Facebook ads, all of a sudden one day it works and the next day it's gone and you just can't really trust trust it that's why people say have multiple streams of income exactly. you know same thing yeah. we were talking about the esl companies things are a little up in the air right now um i don't know if it's because of covid probably um i think that i was able to stay my my schedule stayed full i was 
I was rolling in the dough, not really, but I was able to basically book any hour that I opened for both of my companies up until May, May of 2020. I think that's when a lot of the kids in specifically China went back to school. And maybe that's when people's money ran out, or maybe that's when they just were so busy trying to catch up. Um, but ever since then, it's been a little bit slower. So definitely I'm looking like this is not, this was good for two and a half years. And now I'm going to have to be like, this can't, this isn't my main source of income anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely strange times. It's competitive as well. I think, yeah, you know, the, the, the coronavirus and loads of teachers having to work from home and loads of, mm-hmm. loads of people having to find work from home. Yeah. A lot of people are turning to online methods and online teaching is one of the biggest. That is so, true. A, a lot of the brick and mortar teachers would come and teach just in the summer months. And then all of the people who were trying to do it year round would struggle for the summer months. And then as soon as those brick and mortar teachers would go back to school, um, you know, we would be up up to the top again, you know, as far as like however many hours we wanted to work. And yeah, you're right. There are a lot of teachers, a lot of schools have moved online and those teachers who don't need to prepare to get to school in the morning, who don't need to prepare to drive, you know, don't need to drive that commute could be teaching during those hours. And so, yeah, there's definitely an influx of, yeah. of teachers. For sure. And, you know, the, it's that that makes it more competitive. And I think in in the past, you know, maybe a year ago, I, I've got to find the right way to say this. A year <laughs> ago, it was almost like anyone could do it, you know, uh-huh. but yeah. now it's it's definitely not the case. And right. I think mm, without, you know, offending anyone, I think mm-hmm. the, the poorer teachers out there, the people who just don't try hard enough are yeah. just not going to make it anymore. It's, yeah. it's a space that's for people who are willing to to work harder and the companies that were hiring they have changed their standards um yep. and same thing with the government um you know the government of some of the countries that we work with they have changed their standards and so even if the company might have allowed something they won't um a lot of people that didn't have like say a bachelor's degree had been teaching for 20 years successfully and then you know it was out of their control they said we are not allowed to keep you unless you get your bachelor's degree and yep. that was really hard, you know, to watch people who probably were way better at it than I have been, you know, Yeah, that's the have thing. to move I mean, on. I, yeah. I'm one of those, one of those people who thinks that, you know, your education doesn't, doesn't define you and it definitely yeah. doesn't show your, your abilities in, in something. It, it helps, I guess. Yeah. Shows that you've put in a bit of, you know, study and worked on something academic, but yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there are also the things, you know, the thing with non-native speakers, there are non-native speakers who probably know a lot more about English grammar than I do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And are probably better teachers than I am. Yeah. Maybe even some of them have a better accent, a clearer accent than I do sometimes. <laughs> so there's that as well. It's tough. So, um, Joe, let's go back before you moved to Peru. What did you do? Well, when I was in England, um, my plan was to, you know, become a teacher, uh, not in England. I always wanted to be, well, when I was really, really young, I wanted to be an English teacher, um, or a writer, but that never happened. I didn't want to, I, I never even knew about ESL teachers. I wanted to be like an English teacher to, to British mm-hmm. people. Right. Okay. But, um, 
yeah, I was I was volunteering for a company helping refugees learn English. So it's sort of like an ESL volunteering job in Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that for four months before moving. But before that, uh, just bits and bobs. I was a, a bartender for three years and I worked in bars a lot. Um, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> just, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, cocktails and mixology and, and, you know, beer and stuff like that. It's a bit of a passion of mine. I I did also about four months of volunteering, um, but it was ESL in a community center. So local people, adults um, primarily who were coming in, you know, some of them were refugee families or people who had just moved and a lot of doctors, you know, who were mm. working abroad in the States needed to um, or wanted to improve their English skills. Yeah. And I also ended up having a short stint as a bartender, but really I was just a Japanese steakhouse waitress who got stuck on the bartending duties every month. Ah, how <laughs> so, uh, not so great. No. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes it just depended, but um, I, I learned a few things, but I definitely didn't, didn't learn at all. Yeah. Fun I've times. always thought that I'd, I'd love to be a waiter in, in the States because it's like a, generally a minimum like what 10 percent or higher tip that people give um a lot of people do 20 that's wow, about our baseline that's, yeah that's amazing 10 percent back in like the 80s and 90s when i was growing up but most people are at like 18 to 20 at least where i come from yeah you know a lot of the time when i, I was working in this bar in sheffield um called uh it was it was a Cuban bar. Probably shouldn't say the name of it. It was a Cuban bar, and um, we we had a lot of Christmas parties around Christmas. And I was working in in the restaurant because there was a bar downstairs, like a salsa area, and then an upstairs restaurant. And I was sort of managing the bar up there. It was just me on the bar, and we had you know big big Christmas corporate tables, and they ordered like you know. 12 mojitos at once and i'd be slaving away and i got i got the we, we got i got a share of the the tips that all of the the you know the floor staff got in in the restaurant i can't tell you how many you know tables of 12 tables of 20 had a massive meal spent so much had so many cocktails had free stuff you know like the owner coming up and giving them some shots and stuff no tips like the majority of the time zero no yeah. Is that part of the culture there, though? Like, is, I know that some countries just basically it's frowned upon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not frowned upon. It's just people are much, uh, much tighter in, in yeah. Britain than they are in, in the US. That's probably tips. a kinder word that I would have used because I, I actually was a waitress for 90, uh, 90, 90 years. It was 90 years, <laughs> nine, nine years. Um, you know, basically wow. that was my high school and college job. And then back to grad school, I went back to waitressing again. And, um, but yeah, times were tight sometimes, yeah. you know, a lot of it had to do more with not that people were cheap, but, uh, it was more that my hours would get cut. You know, I got hired thinking I'd be working 20 hours a week and it ended up that they'd only give me 10. So it yeah. just wasn't the income that I kind of, you know, signed up for. You can get really screwed in the hospitality industry, especially when it's, part-time or you know if, if it's cash in hand uh you know it can can be and having uh, to pull tips can be a tricky thing too because like if you earned those tips but now you have to share them with everyone who didn't necessarily pull their weight that's hard yeah yeah exactly okay joel so 
I actually like to ask some people some of the harder questions about working from home. Like, what is the most frustrating part of working from home for you? Hmm. It's really hard to find something that's frustrating about it. Um, what is frustrating about working from home? I just really love every aspect of it. I love being in control of everything and uh, having that self-discipline. I guess the only thing I can think of really is is, is the noise um, and things that are out of your control. So yeah, like noise outside or if there's a power cut or something. Mm -hmm. um, usually, you know, if you work in a, in a company, you get to, if there's a power cut at the office, you get to sit back and relax for a little bit. But here it's like, I could lose my job, you know, <laughs> this is yeah, not my fault. Yeah, it's very stressful. Yeah. Do you have a battery backup? I don't. Uh, Ooh, I have a, I recommend I have a one. laptop. I have a couple of laptops in the apartment. And actually mm -hmm. I did have, we did, we have had a power cut before. And what I do is quickly grab a laptop and I can always get in, in the session in time using 4G on my phone as well, a 4G yeah. hotspot. So it's, it's never a problem, but if it's like a long-term power cut, then it it would definitely be a problem at another company, but I tutor group, they have this system where if you miss a class, they'll take away your sessions for the rest of the day, unless yes. you say, I'm okay, I'm back. I'm here, I'm here, yeah. Yeah, which is yeah, great. Yeah, I've had that I happen. So I have, um, it's called a cyber power box I'm looking down here. So basically it's like a super, what would you call that? Kind of like a power strip or? Like a generator? What do you call it when um, surge protector? It's like a big surge oh, protector yeah. and it's like a big brick. I've got one there. And it has about a two hour battery life on it. And it's nice because oh, you can choose which battery, um, half of the power strip on one side is battery backup back and the other half is not. So you put your essentials that you would need to have to continue to, to continue working if the power cuts and then you have the non-essentials like for instance if you have like a fan running or an extra lamp you don't want that to drain that battery if you were like say asleep um but i was teaching one time and my, my power cut my entire street was dark and all of the wi-fi on um on my computer i could see like the entire neighborhood i was the only wi-fi that was still working in the entire neighborhood wow. And I was able to just choose one lamp. Um, so rather than having, I have one, two, three, four, five bulbs on right now. I wow. just had one, you know, just to get through. So Because I didn't know how long it would take. It was bad. Mm -hmm. And I think I had to work like that for about an hour and a half. And the power, thank God, came back right, you know, right before I lost everything. But you That's can only amazing. have so much light coming from your, you know, I guess if you had like, I think you use LED ring lights and they don't take that much yeah. power, right? No, oh, yeah, I'm so surprised with how long I haven't changed the LED lights on it once. And it's been going for like two years and it's a big one. It's like a 20 inch one. I am so surprised that you don't have a battery backup. <laughs> yeah, I am too, actually. I should get one. I, I'm, I'm, I can't believe you, you, your surge protector is like a generator as well. It has battery life. That's really cool. I gotta yeah. That. Yeah, and there's quite a few options. Now, you probably don't have a Best Buy down your street like I do, and it would be a very heavy thing to have shipped or to carry um, with you. But if you can find yeah. a local source um, for something like that, it's a good investment to have, especially if you are working for these companies. Like, say, you know, like if you were working and you had had some hiccups and you were getting close to, you know, that sixth absence where your your line your your job is on the line, 
that's when you want to make sure you have a backup for everything, you know, the hotspot on your phone and the battery and, you know, the computer. Right now, I actually have uh, an iPad that I can use for my other company with VIP Kid, but I don't have a backup computer that I can use for iTutor Group. So I've been doing this for two and a half years without a backup. I can't exactly just take my husband's, you know, work laptop because he, they probably don't want me installing things from China on there. Yeah. See, this is where I'm kind of lucky because I have like a laptop on the desk behind me, which is my old one that I used to use from a computer. And, mm-hmm. you know, my stepdaughter and my wife both have a laptop and they're not always, always on them. So if I needed to, I could mm-hmm. run out of my office and say, give me a laptop quick. And right. Bring it back in and go. So it's so I guess if you, if you add them together, they each yeah, it's a lot of battery, battery life. life. Yeah. yeah. The only thing is that my kids all have Chromebooks and I don't think that they're compatible. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the noise, what do you do to try to, um, buffer that noise? Do you have anything up in your walls? Like I can see you're sitting um, in front of a big wide open room, but are you really? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no, I am not. It's a green screen. I actually have, I wonder if I can show you. So I have these on my wall. Okay. Uh, So they're like soundproof pads. What do you call those? Yeah. Like acoustics. Um, mm-hmm. But th- those only help for um, kind of for recording for the sound of my voice. They don't really. They're stop more for noise. They're more in. for dampening the echo in a room rather yeah. than really blocking noises from coming. I actually bought sixty dollars worth of those. I think I got sixty of them, and I never put them up because I'm in an office that's just chock full of junk. Um, yeah. My teaching stuff. I have a chair. I have carpet, um, and I have just a lot of teaching tools and. I have a huge stack of t-shirts um, that I use for, you know, all of the iTutor group red shirts and my orange groups for VIP kid. Um, and I think I just have so much stuff in here that I haven't really experienced the echo problem. Yeah. But, you know, I do have three kids. <laughs> and so my daughter was trying to come in earlier. And, um, you know, if those doors open, definitely there's noise. Right. Yeah. Um, I think um... – Mimi was saying the other day that when we move to our new apartment, we, we should get, at least in my office, double glazed windows to oh. stop the the sound coming in. But what I do is I have software that really cuts the sound out. Um, okay. And I did a video on it. And I still to this day, I cannot believe how well it works. It does mess with the quality of your audio a bit. So the most frustrating thing in my work life is trying to record a video for YouTube because I have my mic here and I'm not using any noise cancellation software. Um, and when, you know, I'm recording a line, I get to the end of the line and then some kid screams outside in the park and I've got to, got to do that whole line again, you know, and it's just a repetitive process. So you feel so like you nice. can't take that out in post. You have to re-record to have a clean take. Definitely, yeah. For me, you know, the recording process, it's about perfection. So I can give myself an easier job in editing. I kind of was like that when I was a photographer, you know, I grew up in, um, my, my university years were like the end of the nineties. So like 2000, I was taking my final photography classes and we were trained, you know, to be really careful with your lighting and your metering and all of these things, because (laughs) he just put his, um, backdrop back on. (laughs) looks great. Um, because then, you know, basically you don't have to. 
hardly edit, but we were doing it in black, um, in dark rooms. I was still doing black and white. I was using a completely manual camera. Digital cameras were just kind of getting started back then, and nobody really trusted the quality yet. Um, now my phone can probably take better pictures than those DSLR DSLRs could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the number one rule with any kind of, I think, photography or filmmaking or video making or whatever is don't trust you know oh, i'll fix it in post because yeah. if you can if you can avoid it right now then you're going to save yourself potentially you know footage that you can't use or something so yeah what would a perfect day look like for you uh working from home mm, to be honest you know just my normal if i could wake up a good hour before I start, that's a good start. So I can, you know, not, not rush when taking a shower and getting breakfast and everything. So I can make a nice coffee, proper coffee, not instant. Um, have a nice teaching day, a full day of teaching, six hours. And then after that, um, maybe just, I guess if it's a perfect day, just doing nothing else for the rest of the day, right? <laughs> just chilling out. That would be perfect. But um, most days after after teaching, I have you know something to do, like recording or uh, anything, answering emails. Or I, d I do a lot of helping people, you know, just yeah. like off the record. I get emails, people questioning me and stuff, and as that. So yeah, the per the perfect one would be phone off, um, maybe playing some games, talking to friends, watching a film. Awesome, I like it. Yeah. Well, we're wrapping you? up. Oh, for me, for me, um, <laughs> for me, it would be not having to uh, manage my children's online schooling while I'm trying to work. <laughs> yeah, that must my, be, that must be really tough. Are they just using Zoom and stuff? It's not Zoom; it's Google Classroom. But yeah, same same idea. Um, a lot of it's offline as well. Um, the teachers that were trying to manage the classroom in person as well as um, these online kids, they finally switched to like a paper packet and less online time so um my kids are basically on their own with me helping you know motivate them to get through their work a lot more so i've had to change my hours somewhat and i did cut back a fair amount on teaching esl because i just i was waking up at two fifteen in the morning to teach um i think i work an earlier shift than you do <laughs> and okay. um and part of that is because i wanted to be able to work while i wasn't watching my kids um while they're sleeping uh, so my husband, now he doesn't listen to my podcast. Maybe someday he'll hear this, but you know, he really is the one who enjoys the cooking and cleaning. He's a really, really, really good dad. And, um, you know, he's got a good job and he's good at it. Um, but I, I think if he could retire tomorrow, he would, he's told me he would. <laughs> um, yeah. and so maybe someday, maybe someday he will be the one who can, you know, help with the kids and manage things during the day. And I could maybe, you know, do something. Yeah. Have you um, ever thought about getting a, getting a, a, a nanny, you know, help or something? We have in the past. Um, it was more when I was working third shift for another company and I was working 11 p.m. until 9 a.m. And so I was still working in the morning while my children were waking up. Um, but that was just a few hours. Um, it would be great um, if we could. But right now, you know, with COVID, we're really sticking ho sticking at home. And mm, not really letting yeah. anyone else in our house. And, you know, money also, like, I'm kind of in transition. My hours have been getting cut with this ESL company. These, both of the ESL companies 
So there's not a lot of money for those extra things right now, but maybe in a year yeah. or two. Um, a lot of people are doing uh, like a teaching pod. And so maybe like if the pandemic rages on longer than we want to imagine right now, um, some people are maybe filming a pod with another family and just like one mom would watch all of the kids. And I would be open to something like that if we had to do this long, long term. But for now, we're making it work. My husband's working from home. And so we're more or less able to juggle things. So, Yeah, that's good then. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap things up, I usually just ask, is there anything that you would recommend for people who were considering working from home for the first time, who were just kind of thrust into it unexpectedly or have just recently made that decision? Something that you learned along the way that might be helpful to them? Um, it's tough because the advice that I would usually give would be go all in, make sure you have the right equipment, make sure you get everything right and so on. But I didn't do that when I started. So I feel like it's a little <laughs> bit hypocritical to say that. Yep. Um, I think as long as as long as you put in effort and as long as you're genuinely trying to do a good job in what you do and you're passionate about it and you want to be there, I think you'll be all right. You know, the equipment and everything that you need, you can you can manage without the best equipment uh, for, for a while. Hopefully, naturally, you'll want to upgrade because you know it's the right thing to do. And if you are, if that is you, then you're on the right path. That's good. I borrowed a laptop for the first three or four months before I could pay for my own. Yeah, see, that's and it. That's the, that's the drive. Keep adding, you know, the next thing that you need. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate your chatting with me today. It's good to see you face-to-face, -face, which is kind of, you know, not really, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I get to see you, so it's good. And um, for all of our listeners, how can they find you? If they wanted to check out your YouTube channel, do you do you know it off the top of your head? Yeah, uh, youtube.com forward slash Joe Milne English. That's J-O-E-M-I-L-N-E, -E, and then English, E-N-G-L-I-S-H. Uh, Instagram, at iTutorJoe. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, those are the big hitters, at least. And yeah. uh, anything in particular they should check out first? Um, do you have you have several playlists, so they can look at your playlist and see what one fits them best? Yeah, I have a few playlists. Um, what I would say is scroll through all my videos because it's I'm I'm not really a one trick pony. I've done a, a lot of different topics, you know, teaching, tech stuff. Uh, my last video was about the imposter syndrome, which is not mm -hmm. really about teaching so much. And mm -hmm. it's not really about tech. It's just something that, you know, came to my mind and I want to do it. So scroll through, read the titles, look at the thumbnails, find something. I'm sure you'll find something you want to watch. You will. Um, imposter syndrome has actually come up quite a few times in the last couple episodes. So yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah, I've struggled with it. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. I saw the thumbnail and you have great thumbnails, by the way. Um, so I, um, I'll have to go give that one a look. So, all right, awesome. Joel, thank you so much. We'll, we'll call it. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, this is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home and Joel Milne, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Take care. <laughs>